Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for uh, today's podcast. I know that you're busy. I know that a lot's going on in life, but I always admire people who are willing to take a few minutes and uh, just develop their own leadership journey so that they can uh, be better and more effective at leading others. Uh, today, I want to take a few minutes and I want to talk to you about the battlefield of leadership. Uh, it's sort of one of those harsh titles, battlefield. I think, unfortunately, uh, we've seen that uh, kind of concept played out on TV too often as we've watched uh, the aftermath of battlefields around the world right now. But when it comes to leadership, here's what I know. Uh, leaders are defined by the tough times and the difficult times. That's where people need a leader the most. So I want to take a few minutes and I want to talk to you about the uh, battlefield of leadership. Let me start by saying uh, that there are seven realities uh, when it comes to a leader uh, being engaged in active leadership and what it looks like on a battlefield. The first reality is this. Leaders face battles like everyone else. Uh, I say that to you, and that could just sort of be, oh, yeah, we get that. But there's more to it than that. It's amazing how many people will look at a leader, and because they see them up front or they see them in their leadership uh, position, and they think, well, they must not deal with what I'm dealing with. Uh, they must not go through what I'm going through. Please understand that leaders face battles in life just like everyone else. And uh, not only that, but number two, leaders have as many battles as others do. So it's not like you reach a level of leadership that uh, somehow you're not dealing with the conflicts and uh, the stress and strain of life, uh, the challenges of life. Uh, you deal with them just like everybody else does, and uh, you deal with as many battles as everyone else. So that person out there who's thinking, well, I know why you're a leader. Uh, you're a leader because you don't have to deal with what I have to deal with. The simple truth is, is that everyone deals with the same things. Maybe uh, the nuances are a little different one individual to another, uh, but leaders have as many battles as others. Um, third, uh, leaders seldom talk about their battles. I think the reason that the first two tend to play out is because uh, leaders understand that um, uh, when they're leading people, their job's to lead people. And it's not necessarily that people want to know every little thing that's going on in your life. Uh, what I found is, is that the leaders that I've been around, uh, the great leaders uh, that I know in my life, uh, they seldom talk about their battles. Uh, they're, they're not announcing, hey, do you know what I'm going through? Do you know what I'm faced with? Do you know what I'm confronted with? In fact, it's sort of amazing. I've been in the room with leaders that are uh, well-known across this world, across this nation, and uh, when you talk to them, you're just sitting there and everything's normal, and then someone will come up to you after you leave, and they'll say, well, did you know that this is going on? And you just sort of shake your head because they never said anything. They never indicated anything. Uh, the fourth reality is this. Uh, leaders' greatest battles are on the inside. 
Um, I know that most everyone talks about the outward battle, someone who loses their job, someone who's been diagnosed, someone who's going through uh, a particular trauma, but the greatest battles are on the inside. Uh, those are the most pivotal battles that anyone can ever face. And, and leaders uh, know that uh, the battles that really determine the future are the interior ones, uh, the ones that no one knows. Um, I, I frequently pray before I get up and uh, speak, and I will pray for my people, and I will say, Lord, uh, you know the things that uh, they tell everyone, and then you know the things that they tell no one. It's the things that we don't tell anyone that are the biggest battles. Uh, we keep those quiet because those are the battles that we have to face. Those are the battles uh, that we have to be able to manage. Um, and here's the thing about leadership battles. So the fifth reality, uh, leaders' battles are seldom seen unless they lose. And so the real battles that a leader goes through um, you never even knew that they had that battle. You never knew that they were going through that battle. You never knew that they were facing that battle. You never knew that they were confronted with those issues. You just thought somehow they were oblivious to it. Those kind of things didn't affect them. Uh, they didn't feel those things. They didn't think those thoughts. Uh, they didn't have those temptations of behavior. Uh, and the thing about leaders is the only time that most of us are aware that they go through battles if is if they lose them. Uh, when we started the church uh, that uh, we have in Plano, around me at that time, some 35 years ago, uh, were three major churches. Uh, they were all dominant on the national scene. They were all uh, the largest, most talked about, most significant churches in the nation. Uh, they were the churches that everyone went to their pastor's conference. Everyone wanted to hear these individuals speak. Um, within a period of five years after starting the church, uh, none of those churches are going to exist. Uh, they're all going to implode. And the reason they're going to implode is because uh, the leaders had problems. And the leaders were facing these problems, and, and no one knew that they were facing these problems until they lost. And then people were scratching their heads and saying, how did we uh, not know that this was going on? Uh, how did we uh, somehow overlook that these possibilities were even occurring? And it's just simple. Uh, leaders' battles are seldom known until they lose. In fact, um, if I were to mention certain names right now, it doesn't matter how much they did for the kingdom of God. Everyone will remember their names because of the battle they lost. See, all of those individuals and all those churches, I knew them, and I knew them uh, as pastors who were great pastors, who were effective pastors. But their years of pastoring don't matter. If I were to mention any of their names to those that have a long history, uh, everyone would say, oh, that's so-and-so, and that's the individual that went through and you start thinking, because here's the thing, um, leaders are always remembered after they lose a battle. It's unfortunate, but it is true. So leaders' battles are seldom seen unless they lose. Number six, uh, leaders need prayer to win their battles. 
I don't know uh, who you look to to leadership in your life. I don't know who are the individuals that you have that sort of direct and inspire. But I can tell you this. Uh, I've never met a leader who wasn't in need of prayer. And it wasn't as though they're a prayer request. It's just the higher you go in leadership, the more intense things become. The more intense things become, uh, you need people who are going to pray with you. You need people who are going to pray for you. You need people who are going to be faithful to pray. Uh, Even if they don't know that you're dealing with anything, people who are going to be out there. And so uh, leaders need prayer to win their battles. And number seven is this. When leaders win, others win. And that's probably one of the more dynamic things. Every time a leader wins, it sets up the opportunity for other people to win. What we know in the Old Testament is is that David killed Goliath. What we know is that because he won, eventually there were other men that were a part of his mighty men of valor who also took down giants like Goliath. I say that to you because whenever a leader wins, they elevate the playing field for everyone. And if I could just speak to uh, pastors out there, uh, sometimes we get competitive and we think, well, this church is running this number of people and this church is doing this. You've got to understand something. Anytime one of us wins, it opens the opportunity for everyone to win. And it makes it easier. Whoever that pioneer is, there there is a man in my area. He and I are probably the longest serving pastors in the Metroplex area. Uh, but he started before me. His was the first church to break certain thresholds. Because he broke those thresholds, it opened the opportunity for other churches like mine to break those thresholds. So please understand, Seven realities. Let me read them to you. Number one, leaders face battles like everyone else. Number two, leaders have as many battles as others do. Number three, leaders seldom talk about their battles. Number four, leaders' greatest battles are on the inside. Number five, leaders' battles are seldom seen unless they lose. Number six, leaders need prayer to win their battles. And number seven, when leaders win, others win. Now, let me go to a little bit different element of the battlefield, and that is this. Leaders can suffer what in old days was called uh, battle fatigue. And the reason they can suffer that is because of just a series of things that can accumulate. Uh, They've been in the front lines too long. Uh, One of the things that we know is that if you're a leader and you've led for days and then you've led for weeks and then you've led for months and then you've led for years and then you've led for decades, uh, you've been out there. Uh, You've been out there a long, long time. And because you've been out there a long, long time, uh, it's easy for you to get a little bit weary Uh, to not be able to maybe have the resiliency that you used to have because you've been out there. Now, I realize that there are people out there, you know, and and they're working through their first year of ministry and everything seems big and bad. Uh, But the reality is, is the person who, um, you know, really is uh, vulnerable to battle fatigue is the person who's been out there a long time. 
Um, you know, the newbie, uh, they're just learning to have stamina. Uh, the person who's been out there for decades, uh, they know that they have to keep having renewal or what I like to call resilience. But sometimes they've just been in the front line too long. Uh, sometimes they've heard and seen more than their hearts can handle. Um, you know, they've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. They've, they've held people's hands during the darkest moments of life. Uh, they've been there during uh, the great traumas and the great crisis. Uh, they've worked people through the marriage moments, and, and they've just heard and seen more uh, than their hearts can handle. And uh, because of that, they become fatigued. Um, sometimes it's because they've been wounded. Uh, but never received help. Um, there are times when people have gone through events in ministry, whether it's rejection, whether it's uh, dealing with failure and disappointment and discouragement, and uh, they just never received help. You know, here's what I know about any great leader. They know how to show up. They know how to show up every day. They know how to show up when no one else shows up. They know how to show up and they know how to do their job when no one else uh, can show up and do their job. Uh, but here's the thing. Um, there is a sense that we all have pain in life, but there's also a sense if you've been out there a long time that there has to be a place where you allow God to fulfill what he said so clearly that he restores our soul. And that restoration process is critical to long term ministry. And then at times uh, they develop battle fatigue because they've become a victim of friendly fire. People who shouldn't be shooting at them start shooting at them. Um, they experience the fact that incoming uh, artillery is sent their way and it's not uh, artillery that should have ever been sent their way. It's not the adversary attacking them. It's people who should never attack anyone. But, but leaders can suffer uh, battle fatigue. And as I said, it's important that everyone learns the principle of letting him restore our souls, uh, letting him begin to take our lives and restore our souls in such a way that we're healthy and we have well-being. Uh, that being said, uh, I want to walk you through a series of thoughts about the battlefield. And what I want to do is I just want to walk you through uh, the concepts of what you've got to do as a leader to be effective. Uh, some of you that have watched the, you know, uh, some of the great fights, you know, that Muhammad Ali and Frazier had and those kind of things, you know, uh, that the ring announcer will come out and he will begin with these words, are you ready to rumble? And he'll do it in a very artsy, very, you know, ar articulate way, but it sets the mood for everything. Well, I want to give you some things that uh, will just help you be able uh, to rumble when it's time, uh, when those issues begin to happen. Uh, so let me simplify it by giving it point by point. Number one, you have to have a defined mission. Here's what I know about the battlefield. Everyone has responsibilities. Everyone has obligations. Everyone has things that they should do. Now, those should do things are not things that we choose but they're things that God chooses. And so everyone's got to figure out what is the mission that God's given them? What is the, uh, the mission that, that they have? What is the mission that they uh, are, are specific to? And so everyone has to define that. 
uh, I've talked about before in military circles, if you've ever seen, um, you know, a battle plan, at the very top of it, it has a phrase called command intent. Command intent is just a, a, a phrase that describes uh, what you do if everything goes wrong. So uh, a battle plan is based on the fact that officers have been at headquarters, have heard the diagram of the battlefield. They know what the battlefield is supposed to be like. They know what their objective is. They know uh, what they're supposed to do. But the problem with battles is sometimes people get shot. And so what happens if the major gets shot and then uh, you know, uh, the captain gets shot and then the lieutenant gets shot and then the sergeant gets shot? It's going to leave uh, some young kid out there. And so what the military wanted to do was to make sure that individual knew exactly what to do. And so at the very top, it took the whole battle plan and it gave command intent. If you don't know what to do, shoot at this mountain until you're told to stop. Just keep shooting. Hold this bridge until you're told to do something else. And so... In life, you have to have a defined mission. You have to know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what my job is. This is what my request is. This is what I'm going to do. Have a defined mission. Number two, make sure you're prepared. Uh, the Bible's pretty clear on this. It says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. What it basically says is if you're going to go into battle, you've got to be prepared and you've got to understand it's not going to be your wisdom. It's not going to be your strength. Uh, you've got to be strong in the Lord. We know from Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, It's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, saith the Lord. Uh, you've got to prepare yourself. You've, you've got to go. Uh, everyone knows that in the military there's a thing called basic training. That's where uh, people are being equipped for fundamental skills. Uh, they're being prepared. The interesting thing is, is that there's fundamental skills. It doesn't matter what your job is. You're going to go through basic training. And so some people will say, well, I'm just going to do computers or I'm going to do the mess hall. I don't need all of this. It doesn't matter. There is basic training everyone goes through in the military. You don't get to raise your hand and say, hey, you know, I'm going to be at the commissary. You don't get to do that. Everyone goes through basic training. And, you know, I find it's interesting that there's a lot of people who want to be in ministry, but they don't want to go through basic training. Uh, and basic training's a part of it. And basic training is where uh, certain skills are are sort of drilled into you. You know, you know, you know, you know uh, what those skills are. And maybe you're not going to be the frontline infantryman, but sometimes the front line doesn't stay where the front line is, and it comes to your house. And there are basic skills that you better know. So uh, make sure that you're prepared. Number three, depend on your team. Depend on your team. Here's what I can tell you. Uh, God never intended for you uh, to to lead alone, to go into battle alone. Um, we know uh, that when Moses was out and leading Israel, there was a time as long as his hands were up, uh, Israel pre uh, prevailed. When he got tired, uh, his hands would come down and Israel would begin to lose. And so Aaron and Hur began to figure out this was what was going on. So they held up his hands. So let me just ask you this question. Um, before you're ever going to be a general in battle, you're going to hold someone's hands up. Whose hands are you holding up? Don't ever expect someone to hold up your hands if you haven't held up someone else's hands. So uh, you've got to depend on your team. Uh, 
Number four, you've got to keep communications open. You know, any um, military strategy of attack will always be to try to sever communication lines. What you want to do is you want to take uh, individuals and you want to isolate them from the command structure. You want to put them in a position that they're unaware of what to do next. And so whenever there's uh, battlefield preparation, when they're shaping the battlefield, uh, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to try to eliminate all communication possibilities. They want the people in the front line not to know what to do next. And so you've got to keep communication lines open. And so let me just sort of bring it back to us. If you're not praying, you're not going to be winning. Uh, you got to keep that open. Uh, you don't get to get so busy in life, so tired in life, so weary in life. You don't get to do so much stuff in life that you can't pray. If you don't have time to pray, uh, you're not going to make it. And so you figure that out. There is no substitute for prayer. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And so in life, if you're not engaged in a, a meaningful uh, prayer time, uh, you're just not going to survive this thing. You have to keep communication lines open. Uh, number five, you have to be able to synchronize your watches. Um, battlefields require timing. And I learned a long time in leadership, uh, whoever controls the clock wins. And in a battlefield, uh, you can't have one unit going off 10 minutes early and they go off and, and they're left exposed and a, uh, a, another unit uh, is, is 20 minutes late. Everyone has to be on the same time. And see, that's where we get a little bit messed up is because everyone says, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a morning person. Oh, I'm not a night person. Oh, I'm not this kind. I find that some people don't have a time of day that they're good at. Uh, but here's the bottom line is if you're on a team, you work as a team. And that means you work with the same clock. And so uh, you work with the same clock and you've got to be able to do that on the battlefield. You've got to be able to understand, hey, there are things that we're doing right now. And the reason we're doing them right now is they have an outcome. And so you have to synchronize your watches. Someone says, well, this isn't convenient for me. Forget that. Um, it's not about your convenience. It's about your commitment. And too many people want everything to be convenient for them. Uh, the kingdom of God is about commitment. In fact, uh, you know, I've studied the Bible a long time, and I'm sure someone will, um, you know, email in or something. Uh, but I really can't remember a verse that says, uh, do this because it's convenient. I just can't think of that passage in the Bible. Uh, the Bible talks about commitment. It says, take up your cross daily. Uh, but it doesn't say take up your cross when it's convenient. So just understand uh, that you've got to be on the clock. Synchronize your watches. Uh, number six, stay tough but tender. When you've been in the battlefield, it'll toughen you up. And and so honestly, I've been through so many crises with people that, uh, as I tell people, I'm not the guy you want to invite to a party. I'm the guy you want to invite to a car wreck. Uh, because at a car wreck, uh, I know what to do. I know how to handle those moments. I know how to handle uh, the mom, the dad, the circumstance, all those. I've I've been there. I, I, I've been there for nearly 40 years in those events. And because I've been there, I get it. But on the other hand, you still have to stay tender. Uh, you still have to not let the tough part of life make you so tough that you can't be tender. Because the Bible says, be ye tender hearted, 
one to another. And and so in the midst of being tough, we still have to be tender. And um, the next one, develop your logistical support. Uh, logistics is a little bit different. It includes communication, but it's more than that. Um, you know, in the military, they found that what a um, someone on the battlefield wanted was they wanted communication from home and they wanted a hot meal. Those were the two things that really, really raised morale is being able to have direct communication at home. And so now there'll be people on the very front lines in Afghanistan and Iraq. And do you know what? Uh, they can pull up their computer and the military has created the way where they can uh, immediately have contact with their family. Why? That's a morale builder. Uh, being able to have, um, you know, a hot meal and not just uh, a meal ready to eat uh, kind of thing, uh, that you have that. That is a morale booster. Well, in leadership, you have to have hot meals regularly. You have to have connections to the people that you need most in life. And so you've got to figure out what keeps you going. And whatever keeps you going, you have to build those logistics into your life. And so... Um, are you ready to rumble? Number one, have a defined mission. Number two, make sure you are prepared. Number three, depend on your team. Number four, keep your communications open. Number five, synchronize your watches. Number six, stay tough but tender. And number seven, develop your logistical support. What I can tell you is if you're going to lead, you're going to find yourself on a battlefield. It may not be of your creation. It could be a battlefield someone else is in and you've got to go out there and you've got to help them. It could just be that you're in spiritual warfare and it could be that you're in one that because you're under attack. But what I know is every leader I know has to learn how to lead on the battlefield. So I hope this helps you uh, and maybe you can uh, add some of your stories to this. But again, I just want to thank you. Uh, for taking the time to develop your own leadership uh, skill set. Uh, the body of Christ is in need of effective leaders, and leadership doesn't happen accidentally. It is intentional. And so thank you so much. Um, let me just remind you, if you have uh, other people you think that this could help, uh, we would appreciate it. I, I was just at a church, and at that church, uh, they have a group of young people. And I say young people. I'm talking about kids that are 15 and 16 years old. And they've now made uh, the, it a requirement for these young people to listen to all the podcasts. And the pastor sits down and talks to them because these young people feel like they have a call into life. And uh, so that being said, I just want to encourage you, develop your, your leadership. Hey, we have roundtables coming up. I think uh, next week I'm in New Mexico. The following week, I, I think I'm in California. Then we're in Atlanta. And so we have several roundtables. The roundtables that we've done have gone excellent. Um, let people know about those if you're in those areas. But thank you so much for being a faithful leader. Uh, and I look forward to uh, being with you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.